What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Dipped in Tone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. All right. So we've got we've got something really fun today. Uh, our second guest ever. Another heavy hitter, you could say. Man. I mean, we're two Real for two on guests. Hit. Yeah. Yeah. Not, this one's really exciting for me. It's very exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's exciting for me too. It's just I think for different reasons than 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 you, but still equally as excited. Uh, we've got one Paul Reed Smith on the show. Perhaps you know Yay. him. He builds guitars, uh, a couple amplifiers, a few pedals now. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny. Like, of all the the heads of guitar companies, I mean, there's people that we know, yeah. right? Right. But I can't really think of another person like Paul that is still so much in the forefront of his own business. Yeah. And like when I think about what what I want to do with Mythos and how I want to be perceived and like how much I want to work moving forward it's it's kind of it mirrors both Josh Scott and mm-hmm. Paul Reed Smith and mm-hmm. and I just respect him so much for what he does still. Yeah, those are two really solid uh solid people to look towards. Both have built incredibly successful companies that well at least in my experience with JHS um have built really great like work cultures around like when I've been to, to Kansas and you've been to JHS in Kansas city, like yeah, everyone there seems to be really happy with their jobs and see it just, and, and I think that all comes from the top. Now I haven't been to PRS. Now, obviously there's one thing that if you want to model yourself and your business after both those guys, you need to change the name mythos and it needs to be a three letter. Um, these be your right. initials. So it could be a, that, my initials sound like a radio station though. So it's really, it's not very good. <laughs> What what are, so Z what B? No 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 W R Z B. Oh W R Z. Welcome to W R Z B Chicago. This is your local on the eights. Got traffic it weather does, weather traffic news coming up. See that's exactly what it sounds like. It doesn't <laughs> that sound is like exactly a pedal what it brand. Like. So you know if it so didn't how, start with yeah well okay there no, you go. So if don't it didn't do start that. with W it, it, yeah if it, it didn't it, start with W it'd be better but but R Z B no that's dumb that's dumb. So how sounds like a motorcycle? How's things going? It does. Uh, things are it good. Sounds like a, yeah. It sounds like anyway. a. It sounds like a. Uh, like a scooter, like a fifty cc scooter. Yamaha. Model yeah. Yeah. The exactly. RZB. That you'd see on Craigslist. The Razor Bike. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Good monster stickers all over it and stuff. Yeah. Forty five cc of. <laughs> Rear tires. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, what's so, new? Well, uh, you know, just same old same, just working. Making yeah. videos. Finally yeah. bought a car. So that saga has oh, right. uh, has ended. Did end up buying a truck. But, you know, let me tell you something. But trying to buy a car in this, we, after we've talked about it at ad nauseum. And God, it, it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. But, well, yeah. Finally that's glad okay. that's over. What's uh, what's new with you? Oh, man. Did I, did I mention, I don't know if I did in the last, because this is the first episode. It looks like the same room, mm-hmm. but this is indeed the new space. Um, hey. and i don't know if i mentioned in the last podcast i don't think it happened yet i tried to no. lift a shelf and my left wrist which is already broken right. uh i i was trying to pick uh, pick up some shelf uh shelving and i turned my hand to like adjust something and then this whole side of my arm just went pop an audible just like <laughs> and immense pain uh-huh and that was like two weeks ago and it still hurts. Uh, so cool. 
it's been really fun, like picking up my child and, and trying to just exist in the world. It doesn't make sense. Like certain things don't hurt. And then I'll, I'll get my towel off the rack to take a shower. And it's like, ah, <laughs> my wrist. So you know what you should probably do? That's, I, I, I know. You should I probably just. an appointment. No, no, no. Just ignore I'll it. just chop it off. No, no. Just ignore it. <laughs> oh, and okay. it'll probably go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all that to say, and we, we talked, we talked about this. Uh, I, all of this has caused me to realize how much I hate my, my wrist, mm-hmm. uh, because of, because of the lack of rotation. Uh, so I want to, I, I think I want to try and get it fi- fixed, but that's going to require cutting both bones in my wrist <sighs> and then, gl- I don't know, gluing, probably not glue, super gluing them glue. back together. <laughs> I don't know if that's, they're not going to use like a well, CA glue. Oh yeah, just a little kicker. You mean, like Adam Savage in there, like spraying <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> accelerator it's on there. Fine. fine, but that, but we're we're all in in the new spot. Things are, are moving along at a pace, and there's much more to come. Many more announcements later. I feel like we should make Adam Savage references part of our drinking game if they're not already. Oh, that's a good. That's because a he, good thing he's, to add. Tends to come up. Him and or tested comes up on almost every episode we do. Well, yeah, because it's the greatest. I mean, no offense, but the greatest YouTube channel. No, none taken. Are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> That's Adam Savage of ILM and Mythbusters fame. Come on. I can't I hold a candle to that. Well. So uh, speaking of uh, the drinking game, if you want to be a part of the episodes while we're filming them and have early access to the episodes, uh, you can join our Patreon linked down below. We greatly appreciate the support. It goes into helping yes. us produce this show uh, more consistently now. So, um, yeah, there's new tiers, there's new details, there's a whole new Discord server that is for patrons only. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, check that out. And uh, we right. would also like to go ahead and thank the sponsor of today's video, which is Stumac. Yes. So you got a package recently from Stumac for something unrelated. Oh, I unrelated. got a package from Stumac, yeah. But what did you get? You got some stuff. I thought it was in here. I was going to grab it. It's not in here. I got a whole bunch of pickups okay. from Stumac a couple weeks ago. So many pickups. In fact, I don't know that I have enough guitars that are eligible to have pickups swapped into them. And there's some interesting stuff too. There's like some wide range stuff. There's a, yeah. you know, it's not just single coils and humbuckers they've got going on. So um, well, you'll, you'll be yeah. seeing that stuff on my channel and here on the podcast uh, in the near future. Well, it, I was... I, I knew that you got that box and I went to their website to check out because I, I, I knew that, that they had made, they make, they used to call them the golden age pickups and they mm-hmm. they make all the like replica style pickups and stuff, but they also carry Seymour Duncan, Fender, Gibson, EMG, TV Jones, Fishman. If it's, it's crazy. It's one of those things like, Oh, surely they won't have that. Stumac has it. So oh, yeah. if you're listening to the podcast and you need any of those things, go to stumac.com slash dipped in tone and you can get 10% off your entire order. And remember, from, if you need uh, a go bar deck, you could go get, go get you a go bar deck off of Stumac for uh gluing. <laughs> what is that even for? I think it's for like gluing tops or something, right? Oh, My, I don't, the, I don't know. What's, what is a go bar deck? Go I know you like deck. put something on it and then there's like, you use raw. It's like to hold tension on something for, Oh yeah. To glue yeah, it. Yeah. 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 You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, it's for Pretty like an ingenious yep. solution. Yeah, it's for like, like doing a, a bracing. bracing on. Yeah, okay. So there you go. When you're yes. bracing your guitar tops, uh, and you need to get you a go bar deck, go to Stumac. Uh, and if you follow the link in the description box down below, you can get ten percent off of your order. And uh, thank you, Stumac, for sponsoring today's episode of Dipped in Tone. Now, because we've got yes. a uh, very special guest, we did something that. Uh, 
we're we've actually never done before, which is no. had the guest dip a rig. So with that yeah. in mind, we're not going to dip the rig now. We're going to flip some things up. We're going to do shill of the week now and then jump into the interview with Paul where we start with dipping the rig. And boy, is it a jolly man. Yes, it's great. So do you have a uh, uh, do you have a shill? I do. Do you have yours handy? I'm going to have to. I mean, I mine. do. Yeah. Okay, you go, go ahead. Yours. Well, then. Well, yeah, but, well, yeah, but if I'm going to talk about ahead. it, I want you to like sit here and be here while I'm talking. I, I want to talk to myself. I have people. Someone's going to bring it to me. You just, you just oh. go ahead. <laughs> I have people. Jesus. You move into a new building and then all of a sudden it's like gone to his head. The square footage, you know, the higher rent is freaking out, gone to your head. All right. So that's right. Um, my show of the week. DS1W. Oh. Have you oh, played wait. this one yet? I haven't, but I hey. have. Uh, wait, let's see. Look at it. Bam. It old. Qu- quite a different orange. Or is that our cameras? Look at, look at the. It's probably our cameras. But yeah. They might be different. Might Mine's be different. an old Japanese one. Yeah, so I just did a video um, that I actually that. Josh from JHS helped me out with on the uh, the DS1 sound. Here's the deal: I uh, I've been sleeping on the DS1. I overlooked it, and I it's was pretty wrong good in doing so. <laughs> it's no, it's more than pretty good. Okay. Yeah. The the regular just DS1. It doesn't matter what version. You know, Josh sent me five of them. He every version because of course he did, and a bunch of memorabilia. Yeah. Um. So I played all every version, including the Waza, and they are shockingly shockingly similar. There's very little, if no, difference between them. Yeah. Um, the Waza Craft does have the custom switch though, which is cool. So it can kind of revoice and give you some more options. But the thing is, like I said this in my video, the first time I ever played a DS One, I was pretty new to pedals, didn't really know what I was looking for or what what it was supposed to do, and I dialed in just kind of a really half-assed, gross sort of sound, and then thought like, oh, that pedal sucks, and then just never really yeah. gave it much thought after that. Um, but boy, was I wrong. Now, I think a lot of people overlook the DS1, which is weird to say, because they've sold over a million of them, so it's like yeah. everybody at some point has had a DS1, but I don't, it's not talked about in, it, especially on our show, like we always tend to go for the more expensive stuff, the more boutique stuff, the more exclusive stuff. Because the DS1, I think, it retails for like 60 or $70 new. So I think it kind of... Oh, yeah. I mean, they used to be like 50, 30 or, or like 40 or 50 bucks new. They were nothing. Dude, it's for a long time. so good. It is, yeah. as far as distortion pedals and dirt pedals go, it's one of the most versatile distortions or dirt pedals you can own. That EQ control is so active and it does so much throughout its sweep. It's not just changing the top end or the low end. It's shifting mid-range around. It's completely shifting the EQ curve. It's a hugely versatile pedal. And if you have not thought about a DS1 or you think, well, it's too much gain or whatever, it's not. You should check one out. I'm a huge fan. Well, you know what I think the problem is with with people like like me when I had one when I was you know 16 or whatever. Why you think, oh, that sounds like crap. You play it into a clean amp. But this... Mm. Like you did, you put it into the uh, through the, the imperial, yeah, and you put it through something that's pushed. These things oh, yeah. shine; they sound. Great. Oh yeah, because they're, oh, they're she'll, like she'll into go. a clean amp. They're pretty bright and like a little strident, but yeah, they, they can they can and and the EQ is is quite sensitive, so it it can yeah. be. It's not hard to dial in, but it's because there's such a wide sweep in the EQ curve. It's uh, it can be a little bit picky. I agree. Clean amps are probably not the what i would go for initially but yeah. yeah you have an amp that's on the edge of breakup just a little bit of hair it's not transparent it's not going to maintain oh, no. <laughs> like your guitar and your amp sound that's not what it's supposed to do but boy does it sound good 
and and it's yeah. really useful in my video I, I called out mark spear from krungbin because he has one on his board that's always on and the tone and the distortion are all the way down and the level is all the way up so he's using it mm. as this like dark kind of preamp boost thing and Man. then he's riding his guitar volume his, his strats volume knob and um if you know his if you never heard be bright what's well, a silver face uh uh deluxe oh. at least it was in the okay. premier guitar rig rundown a few years ago um so well, you know deluxe reverb that makes sense pretty pretty straight ahead and it sounds excellent so cool there you go well uh hey can someone bring me my shill please <laughs> great excuse me so you should hmm. snap at them excuse me mckinley yes summon the shill please there's nothing more disrespectful than snapping think, at somebody. I bet they're all pooping. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I saw that one time at a at a restaurant. Uh I literally witnessed someone snap at their server and I thought ah. I was gonna come out of the chair and I found it. Here it is. Hey. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It's a man. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> It's, it's Matthew a man named Timmons. Matthew. Do I get a seat? Yeah, bring it. Like, scoot crouch. you a chair over here. I'll scoot chair over. Oh, God. This is, this is my shill of the week. <laughs> I, I was not expecting this, this at all. My whole life. <laughs> so excited hey, to be here on the show. So for those that don't know, uh, I hired Matthew to work with, with, with us at Mythos, and he's running the show. So you can just do this stuff now. That's all I have to do. That's all he wants to do. <laughs> hey, can I, can I tell you something, Zach? Uh, in yes, the years that I've known you, uh, this is the smartest thing that you've ever done. He says this is the smartest thing I've ever done. I think so, too. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Yeah! <laughs> God, that's the All first right. time I've talked to him not on Destiny in like three or four months. I know. Uh, for real, though, that's a, uh, that is a, a power play right there, bringing in the one Matthew Timmons to run day-to-day operations at Mythos. It, it's very exciting and uh, illuminating and the the best thing I could have ever done for my my brain. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. We need to get a moonlight for Shoyles and uh for Shoyles Industries and we'll take over the, yes, the world. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, so, two good shills. Let's uh let's jump into the interview with Paul. Well, uh Paul, thanks for joining us, man. That's sweet. <laughs> I look like Mickey Mouse with these headphones. Mickey. I, no, we all, we're all wearing them, man. You look great. Yeah, look but great. I look worse than the other three. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, so you, yeah, well, welcome to Dipped in Tone, man. Happy to have you on. It's a it's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you today. We've uh, got some some topics and some questions lined up for you that I think we're going to have a good time talking through. So thanks, man. Can I cause trouble? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, please. Okay. We, uh, we both we tried to go through all you just got back from from europe yeah made a a ton of stuff so we tried to distill a lot of that so we're hopefully not going to be retreading too much ground and oh we'll make it all new there's plenty to talk about our industry shifts every day yeah and trouble makes good radio so we're uh, good we're ready for it (laughs) so uh speaking of how was your europe trip well i went to japan the five days prior. So I went to Japan, was there for two days, came home, got on a plane the next day, went to England, <laughs> France, Italy, Germany, Netherlands, back to England. And as I'm headed down to do a, uh, an event there, 
The sign on the side of the road said Stonehenge, and I'm screamed, pull over. Oh, my God. I got to go to Stonehenge in the mist in the morning by myself. It was awesome. Go, nice. go into Froome to that pedal show. It's wild because you said that on the show that like you're just yeah. driving there and there it is on the side of the road. It's like on the side of the road, but it was covered in mist. And we went to a police officer. He said we're closed, but if you go park with a hippies park down this dirt road over here, and you go here, there's a law in England where you can walk between the fields. It's government land, and you can walk in between it. And I was very taken by it. It was not a feeling I expected. It had a different feel than any place I've ever been. It was the oldest feeling I ever had. Yeah. Nice. Was it bigger or smaller than you expected it to be? About the same size. It's pretty big. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Well, uh, I think what we're going to start off with here is uh, we're going to dip a rig. So, Zach, do you want to you want to explain to Mr. Smith what we're doing? Right, so, wait a minute. Dip a rig. Yeah. We're we're dipping okay. a rig. So the the title okay. of the show what? is Dipped in Tone. I got that dipped in glass, dipped in tone. I like that. Well, should so, we explain the origin of the title first, or just move yeah. past it? So <clears throat> Rhett and I, uh, for, for those that don't know, too, um, we, we always found the saying, well, I'll be dipped in shit really funny. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's still funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, of course I've heard okay. it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when, we, when all this started, we were invading each other's live streams. I was doing the Mythos Pedals live stream. Rhett yeah. was doing his live streams. And uh, we thought we should turn this into a show and, like, what should we call it? And the obvious choice for both of us was, was dipped, dipped in, in tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. yeah I got it. But, so but dipping a rig is, is something we started where the listeners of the show, uh, the patrons, uh, people who support us on Patreon, will send photos of their guitar rig. And uh, we'll dissect it, talk about it, see what we like, what we don't like, what we change, and uh, just have a little conversation and, and involve the community. So, so you're going to show me a rig, mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to talk about what I like and what I don't like about the rig. Yes. But I am reticent to do the don't part. But let's go. Let's just Well, do no, it. here's, here's uh, the thing. So, so these are all willing participants who, you know, <laughs> they know that by providing their rigs to be dipped that they're going to get an honest take of what we like and we don't let's like. Let's go. Let's the go. End, they want honesty. You're going to get a, rating, I... get a, ra a rating out of 10. And that rating is in the unit of Shoals, which uh, we'll get to in a minute. So let's see. The All rate. right. Oh, here we go. Boom. There it is. Nice. So, okay, cool. <clears throat> what model boogie is that? That is the Fillmore uh, 25. So I can pull it up here so we can. Um, is that I a can... new model? It's fairly new. Yeah. Uh, so here, let me break down this rig. So this is from John Carley, and uh, we'll do the guitars first. He's got a U.S. Strat. Uh, it's been modified a little bit. He's got a uh, PRS S2 McCarty. It says uh, 594 Thin Line. Uh -huh. um, uh, an Epiphone 1966 Century reissue. The, the amp is a Mesa Boogie Fillmore 25 with uh -huh. a, a stock Celestian Mesa cab. And then his board, he's got a variety of stuff. He's got a... Uh, really wacky fuzz that is based on a Devi ever circuit. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Just a madness circuit. He's got a mythos golden fleece. He's got a polytune, the Timmy V3, uh, the 1981 DRV, an electric mistress, mistress flanger, voodoo lab, micro vibe, an arpeggiating delay, a walrus reverb, and then a T-Rex uh, replicator tape echo. So that's his setup. 
And uh, he says he's just a hobbyist who uh, occasionally jams with friends. And so this is this is his setup for that. That's a hell of a rig for someone just occasionally jamming with friends. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so let's start with the guitars. Um, the Epiphone is cool. I don't think we've seen this model yet on the show. And this is similar to what, uh, isn't, doesn't James Bay play something like that or something similar to that? I think a vintage one. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So it's a, it's a thin, uh, semi-hollow, uh, design. Uh, well, I guess you said that's a re reissue. That's not an original single pickup ES 330, right? No, that's a, that's a, that's a newer reissue of, okay, of the old century model. Um, but then he's got this strat that he's, he's modded. It's got just a Texas special neck and then a Duncan, a fat cat Pinani with one volume and tone. So he's pretty much de-stratified it. That's, that's pretty sick. Very cool. That's pretty sick. I, what do you mean by de-stratify? It's a strat. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, he, what do you mean he, by de-stratify? Well, it's taken, <laughs> he's, I think he's, he's made good, deci- good decisions and that your de-stratify comment might not be the good decision. <laughs> I, I like it. Look. For somebody who's doing what you said, that's that's a well thought through, heartfelt, can get a tone out of it rig. Period. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. and I like that. It seems that the the PRS. This is the five nine four thin line S two. Right. That's that seems to be the center point of the rig. So that is the one guitar to do everything. And then he's got two different sort of tangential guitars that do two completely different things. I think this is a pretty well-rounded uh, guitar setup here i think so yeah. too i mean a lot of tones i want to give him a hard time but i can't <laughs> okay i mean look there's this is this isn't just a jamming rig you could record with this rig oh if yeah you put the cabinet downstairs on a long cable you know with a sm7 like we're talking into on it it'd be sound you could use this as a recording rig how many of the pedals I would have left plugged in or whether I would have just gone through one or two of them and disconnected the other ones, that's different. But, you know, I'll bet you there's something close to a vintage 30 in the cabinet, and this thing will do its job. I I mean, it, in my world, we say things like, next. I mean, it, it, it's it's just a good rig. There's not a bad decision here based on what you've said. Now, if this was Carlos's rig... I would wonder how his original Mark I sounded compared to that. Mm. And I want to know if whether he was using the Altec speaker that he's been famous for. Did he switch to EV? And did he get the new Carlos Santana pickups in the in the in the S? You know, in the in the PRS or you know, how long cables he using? Is he going wireless? All that stuff. But that's not what the goal of this rig is. The goal of this rig is to have a good time, and I give him a ten. He wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mickey, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey talking. All right, so we, we so Paul's ringing in at a 10, 10 out of 10 shoals, which is pretty high praise for you're the first guest we've ever had dip a rig. So to come out of the gate swinging with a 10 is pretty strong. Um, and we'll look at the pedal board for a second. I like this. I think it's pretty well-rounded. I love the replicator tape echo those are so cool i want one really bad you don't see them a lot um yeah and i'm wondering if he's running it in front of the boogie or if it's uh in the loop or something like that does he say in the email he doesn't say um yeah you know what the problem that wait a minute the problem is 
there's buffers in all these devices, and every single one of these plugs is 5 to 15 picofarads. And each time you go into one and another and another and another and another, you lose more and more of the tone of the guitar and get more and more of the tone of the pedal. First thing I'd want to do is plug straight in the amp and then figure out what I needed and then only plug through those. Yeah, so... so so that's that, that's a very complicated art. As somebody said once to me, the pedal board changes the tone. Is whether you could stand it or not. Oh, hundred percent. Very true. Now I don't disagree with you. I think we could pare down this board a little bit. Um, I like the yeah. Golden Fleece, a little self shill there. The Timmy was a go to overdrive for myself. Uh, the nineteen eighty one is cool, but I'm wondering if with the gain stages in the amp, I would probably drop one or two of the gain stages on the board and rely on the amp and hitting it with maybe a really good boost or just that fuzz. Yeah, but okay. But now you're going pro and his goal is to have fun with his friends. For the goal you set, he still wins. Okay. I mean, okay. see yeah. on the, is he listening to this? I, I don't know. So, or if he not he if he's not currently, he will be for well, sure. Well, he yeah. wins. Uh, look. <laughs> go to the next. We dipped this rig. Go to another rig. <laughs> cool. You, you well, dipped it. We saw no, it. No, you, it, you dipped it. <laughs> I didn't see this rig ahead of time. You did. No, well, we no, technically I, we I was the only one that really, yeah. I, I tend to pick the rigs. Well, but, I think the center of the rig is the amp. Oh, 100%. You I, said the yeah. center of the rig is the PRS, but I think the amp's the center of the rig. Although well, the, the center of the guitar setup is the PRS. That's like the one that you start with, and then when you want something a little heavier, you go with the D-stratified well, that's, strat. That's very sweet. D-strat, you did it again. <laughs> Was, is, that a, is that a D-Gibsonized Epiphone? I mean, well, I mean, we're, do you understand what the story with Epiphone was? They, oh, yeah. they bought a string bass company, and when the truck arrived from Epi, the guitar jigs were in the truck. They didn't, they didn't know. They had no idea. Ted was like blown away. Oh, my God, we've got jigs to make the guitars. So what he did was make Epiphone a parallel line like Johnson and Evermood outboard motors. He didn't plan on getting the guitar thing. So when I see this, I think about the history of where this came from and, you know, Ted, the truck pulling up to Kalamazoo and they had no idea they bought a guitar company and you know for me you know there's a lot of that history in here but when you say de-stratified the strat you didn't change the neck shape you didn't change the pick guard you didn't change the body shape you didn't change the weight of it you changed a couple of pickups and then it's no longer a strat I don't know well but uh, yeah I wouldn't say it's completely no longer a strat but wouldn't you agree that getting rid of the middle position and then changing the bridge pickup out pretty well alters the soul of a Stratocaster. I mean, that's... Wait a minute. The middle oh. pickups out of Richie Blackmore's guitar didn't de-stratify that. Yeah, it's a valid Hendrix point. Hendrix didn't use the treble pickup. Did that de-stratify it? I mean, he was playing the solos on the bass pickup. When we made the Hendrix amp, I got a chance to play through that rig, and I was like, I couldn't believe that it's made a treble pickup, a bass pickup sound like a treble pickup. I was stunned. Okay, it's been destratified. We'll just go with your analysis because you're going to stay on that rock and not move. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to die on this one. All right, well, welcome okay, to that. <laughs> okay, so here's look, the you deal. wanted me and all of me. You got it. Oh yeah, no. Next this, rig. This is great. This is go to the for. next rig. Well, we only got well, one we just, rig. We, we just only got one. one. Yeah, that's we not got fair. What do you we mean got more topics? Fair? We got all sorts of stuff. It's yeah, we got tons of stuff to talk about. All right, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this. 
I'm going to give this 9.6 shoils. I think you could clean up the the pedal board a little bit. I agree with Paul's point that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot happening there. I think we could get rid of some of the gain stages on the board, rely more so on the amp itself, but otherwise I'm happy with it. I approve. Yeah, I, I think I'd give it a solid nine because the Fillmore uh, is like Mace's, it's kind of like their black panel fender thing, except it's two duplicate channels and they have multiple gain stages. So there's a ton of gain in that amp and they sound great. But yeah, I'll give it a solid nine. But let's. All right, let's I'm going to change my rating. Okay. okay. Nine, six, and nine added together and divided by two is 9.3. I get her a 9.3. I'm right in the middle. Very Perfect. diplomatic of you. Nah, very. very. But the uh, thing he left out was his goal. It makes his goal. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it does more than that. That's a 10. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, that that's a rig I, you could take to, to damn near any gig, to any session, depending on what the session is, who the artist you're playing for is. You could get through the session. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I and might not some. be as happy with my without my stuff, but I'd get through the session with the guitar and the amp. I would get through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe totally. that little Marshall, if it's not a reissue behind you, would make me happier, but I don't know. That's the 59 hand-wired reissue. That's a reissue. Never yeah. mind. Can't afford a real <laughs> one, Paul. Uh, yes, you can, and I can prove it right now. Okay. If I hit you in the mouth and knock your teeth out, you'll find the money to sue me and get your teeth fixed. <laughs> you can get the amp fixed. It's bullshit. Okay. All right, I just said <laughs> the word. Easy. I'm sorry. It's not high enough on your priority to get one. Mm, that's, a better way to, that's a better way to phrase it. Well, let's go there. Okay. Look, I was blown away once. Somebody taught me not to use money as an excuse. And of all the weird things, I bought a fishing rod a spinning rod from Cabela's, and I pull it out of the thing. It was the, one of the nicest pieces of gear I'd ever seen in my entire life. And my jaw dropped that I owned, for the first time in my life, a really high-quality fishing rod because I loved this backwater fishing stuff that I do. And it changed my mind forever. And I've had these discussions with Derek Trucks and piles of other people about not using money as an excuse if it's something important. This place would not exist if I hadn't assigned the original paperwork that I had no idea how I was going to pay back. And they took a glass of wine and pushed it across the table after I signed the document and said, drink, Paul, because I didn't know any way I was going to be able to repay what had just happened. So if you want that hand-wired amp to be an original Plexi. I've got one for sale upstairs. I've got a 66 uh, PA top, a 50, and you would die to own it, and you would be a, a well, gem in your life for the rest of your life. But no, I did not get teeth. I did not think I was going to jump on the podcast today and be be pitched a 50-watt Plexi from, from PRS I, himself. You know, I don't disagree with that, <laughs> but I think – yeah, Did this, I just pitch you an amp? I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, we'll talk later about it. We'll yeah, we'll kick some my, numbers my, around. You yeah, know? yeah, my recheck gear you get. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think your point is valid. But for me, I, well, I didn't actually pay for this amp in full disclosure. I, I worked oh, a deal with Marshall okay. and I was oh. making a, a video. Uh, so, so there's that. But to your point of, you know, if you really wanted the thing, yeah, you'll make it happen. And yeah. We all have we all have examples of gear. I have guitars. I have I've got a '64 AC30 over here that I wasn't expecting to buy. Didn't necessarily have the money to buy at the time, but when that walked into my life and I played it, 
and I had some friends play it and tell me you need that amp. I made some some moves and got that amp. So I don't yeah. disagree. But I have a sixty four AC fifty for sale. You want that? <laughs> okay, hold on. Now this show's getting expensive for me, and I, it's no, not- I love it. No, it's yeah. not. It's <laughs> it a dime. You haven't spent one penny. I haven't tried to pitch you any PRS products yet. Oh, you're a dead man coming. Let's go. Well, have you tried the horse meat? I've not had. I've not tried any of the pedals yet. You haven't no, tried the compressor. I do have the HDRX20 though, and it's excellent. Actually, that's a good sounding amp. It's a great oh, sounding amp. Have you? I have an old HD50. Before the the name change, back there. Do you really? And I do, and it is, it's so good. Uh, so I worked, um, I worked at Carter Vintage Drink. in Nashville, and I, I yeah, and, <laughs> and I played, I played so many vintage Marshalls and just stuff that you know, it like, that really would be, it would take a lifetime to earn what I think it would you know take to get these amps. Some of them like original Blues Breakers and stuff, and hands down. That the the HDRX fifty just boggles my mind with how good it is, and I'm not just trying to, you know, kiss your ass or anything. I think it's really, it's truly fantastic, and and you guys knocked it out of the park with that. You know, most Marshalls are broken. You know, old ones are broken, right? Mm-hmm. They need a tech, just like an old violin. It needs a tech, and it's not so simple. But I thought, you know. It, I thought people were going to want to sound like Hendrix when we released it. They don't want to sound like Hendrix. They want to sound like themselves. Sure. Which I thought, you know, Latiri was one of the first people started playing through one of those things because for him, it made his pedal board be so clear. He loved it. So, all right. Look, I'm having fun at your guys' expense. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Wait, I want to know before we move on from the Marshall thing. So my my 59 hand wired. Yeah. What does this not do? that a real plexi does that, that causes you to to sort of scoff at the, the reissue? You have to A-B it. Okay. You have to A-B it. He's, if he worked at Carter, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're he, all so different. They're all so different. Look, I'll give you one example. They put hi-fi transformers in with the radio spares, and when they switched over to the Drakes and the Dagnalls, they sounded completely different. So you have to A-B it to know the answer to that question. But I've had... The honor of being able to do that, and they sound different. These old, old Marshalls are big, thick, powerful sounding things. They don't sound bright and 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 pokey. Mm. Yeah. So they don't jump at the note. You know, they they have a sweetness to them. Until you a b it, you wouldn't know. Look, I was at Chicago Music Exchange, and I was talking about way these old guitars sound, old strats and old Les Pauls and how they were my teachers and this, that, and the other. And this guy stands up in the middle of 300 people and goes, Paul, Paul. I said, what? He goes, Paul, Paul. I said, what? He goes, we don't know what you're talking about. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, we've never played an old strat. We've never played an old Les Paul. We don't know what it is. Right. I said, they're hanging on the wall behind me. You can play them right here. I'm in a museum. I looked at David Colt, who started Reverb, and I said, David, they can play them right. He goes, no. <laughs> I went, oh, no. And at that moment, I realized that I had spent my entire career going around to these trade shows and playing all these guitars and learning what they had to offer. The only way I could talk to Ted McCarty after he passed was to play his old guitar, Forrest White, or 
you know, to, to talk to Ken Brown, who I never got to meet, what he thought on that day was in that amp. And so I was talking about the sustain of these things, and they made me get out a stopwatch and check the sustain of the old one, the new one, the guitar I brought. I mean, look, no matter what, a guitar that rings 14 seconds is not as good as a guitar that rings 48 seconds, period. End of story. Out of here. Gone. Bye-bye. One of them's dead in the string, and the other one is not. So, you know, I was talking about that, and I realized that I'd spent my whole career doing these shootouts that you're talking about, I'm talking with you about having. Once you've played through an old 65 plexi with a rectifier tube, you're not going to think the same thing again. Yeah. As long as it's in good condition and is a good example, right? Like that's the other part with vintage gear is I grew up, especially with vintage guitars, thinking that well, as I started to learn about this stuff, because it was old, it was good, which is no. not the case. You know, I, I've, we talk about this on the, the, the show all the time. Yeah. Um, and we actually just had Joe Bonamassa on a couple weeks ago. And we were mm-hmm. talking about bursts and, you know, Zach working at Carter drink. Uh, and, and what does doing, drink mean? You keep saying that every it's single a, time. It's a drinking we, we game a drinking that we game. run. That actually our patrons started because we we bring up a few of these uh these things a lot so you know so every time you say Carter Vince you say drink yes uh-huh. and yeah, every time I... I think about this interview being over I want a scotch is that the same thing <laughs> yeah and that's that's not a bad thing at all what kind of okay. scotch do you drink eh, don't ask okay <laughs> I like really good old peaty scotch I oh like... you're you're a Pete guy I, I Octomore oh is my favorite you're a real Pete guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. My <laughs> wife doesn't like the way it smells, but that's all right. Neither does mine. It's okay. That's okay. Judy likes it. Um, but yeah, so there's this idea Andrew that... Andrew likes it. The idea that because you have a, something that's old, it's automatically good, and that, right, that so is not the case. The promise of old gear is if you get an old pedal, if you get an old amp, it's going to make you better. It's mostly a lie. Yeah. But once in a while, it's not. And that's the sifting through process that... People at Carter Vintage are doing, you know, what what Joe has spent his career doing. Um, So to me, um, the only way I can learn from the masters that started our business is from these old pieces of gear. I can't talk to Forrest White anymore, who was the production manager at uh, Fender anymore. I can't. I got to talk to him a couple days before he passed away, which is fascinating. Um, But I don't know. Look. Mostly it's a lie. You're right. But once in a while, oh, my God, it's not. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's a good segue into something that we wanted to touch on, because in watching uh, in watching that pedal show, you guys started to talk about the Tonewood debate. And then on the Andertons thing, you, you compared um, the Paul's guitar that belongs to Pete with another guitar they had at the shop and just demonstrated acoustically, yeah. you know, what it is good wood can do. And... Mm. That's something that, you know, people still debate at nauseum about the fact that wood does or does not matter. And, and in our opinion, of course it does. But we wanted to talk to you about that and, and get some input all as right. to so all So I found an argument in Germany when I was over there that I think sticks. If the instrument doesn't matter and it's only the pickup, then a concert violinist – would go up to a Neumann microphone and the violin would not matter at all. It's his hands and the microphone. That's it. That's all that matters according to the internet. What a load of crap. So if you grab any guitar behind you, uh, 
that's any brand, it's going to make a vowel sound. It's going to make a oo or all or a ah or a eh or a e or a e. It's going to make, and you've heard guitars go e e e e e when you play them, or ones that go da 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 da. A really good guitar is bright on the bass strings and really thick on the high strings. And that the pickup picks up. And the idea that the pickup is going to ignore the fact that that red guitar in the rig is hollow and has a note that's coming out of it all the time, that those harmonics are added to every note you play, is nuts. And, you know, I, I've heard it over and over and over and over again that the tone woods don't make any difference whatsoever. It's just not true. Right. Uh, look, well, I took do, do a couple think... of violin makers to my wood supplier once. And they went and knocked on every piece of wood in this entire area. And they were listening not for the note, but how long it rang. Mm -hmm. And at the end, the wood cutter jaw dropped. And I said, what's wrong? He goes, look, at, look, look what they picked out. They picked out 40 backs for violins. They all had the same number on it. I said, what does that mean? He says, they're all from the same tree, Paul. I mean, they had picked out the ones that rang the longest. It was all coming from the same tree. As mm. it, so now that doesn't matter. It just, right. It's just nuts. So I'm curious, did you see the video that went around earlier this year? It was a, a Nashville guitarist named Jim Lill who made this video, you know, trying to sort of quantify how much the wood affects the, the sound of a guitar. And the video went somewhat viral throughout the the you, the guitar YouTube world. Have you seen this where he like makes the the guitar between two wood benches uh -huh. and yeah? So what do you what do you think about that video? I thought he was in the right garden at the beginning of the journey. Interesting. I don't think he was not at the end of the journey. He was at the beginning of the journey. Look, take Joe Walsh. Take. Brent Mason, take David Grissom, take any of They're all doing shootouts nonstop, usually in their basement with a, with a blackface deluxe, you know, constantly. As if it doesn't make a difference, of course it makes a difference. You're talking about this acoustic tone that the guitar makes, and then the pickup is picking that up, and the pickup has its own parametric equalizer in it. So it's a combination of the acoustic sound of the guitar, how long it rings, what harmonics it's amplifying, how it, how even it is or not, and then the pickup makes a huge difference. In a Strat that has not been de-stratified, <laughs> you have a note that you can hear in every note you play. That whistle note is in the pickups. It's not in the guitar. That's in the pickups. So, um, so you think of it as a Strat sound. But if... You know, the amount of shootouts that Carlos or John Mayer, you just, Mark Tremonti, you name anybody. It's astounding how important how the guitar sounds acoustically and electrically and the pedal board. I mean, the first time I played through a Klon, it was adding high mid-range. It was taking high end away. It was taking out bass. It was doing this. It was doing that. It was basically fixing a Strat. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. It was cool, except every time I turned a gain up, the bass went away, which I didn't dig. I, you know, look, by definition, I'm probably one of the worst gear sluts you guys will ever meet, as my <laughs> wife says when I'm looking at eBay. Are you slutting? Um, I, I like it. I, I enjoy it. 
I enjoy this whole process of learning about this industry. Most people got into guitars because they wanted a date. I got into it because I loved the tone. Mm. I thought it was right. awesome. I was dipped in tone. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's great. Do you, do you think that a lot of this stems from just inexperience? Because that was... No. I, I, well, no, for, for players who argue that it doesn't matter. Because that's how... How when I, when it, when it clicked with me that all these things that that the wood truly is so monumental as it to makes how a difference. It it's a part of the puzzle. It's not all of it, mm. right? We blame but, everything on one thing. It's a combination, a long string combination problem. Yeah, but it's do, oversimplified. Do you, that, mm-hmm. do you think that people that haven't spent the time, you know, really comparing two of the same instrument to really see? That oh you know there's something different here. What can it be? It can't just be that one set has a one guitar has dead strings and the other doesn't. There's something else that's causing that. Do you think? I mean that's what I've always kind of thought this stems from is this lack of experience. People getting well, to play as much. All stuff. right, wait. You just made a good point. If the pickup's the only thing that matters, dead strings doesn't matter. I never thought of that till just now. Right. I look. What's my job? What is this 450 people's job in my building? There's 12 guitars in the rack, and the rock star reaches for ours before any other one. And if they don't, it's our fault. Now, in that equation, are you going to erase the importance of how the guitar rings and how much sustain it has and how even it is before the pickup's in it? It it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's not that they're being dumb or – it's that – they're not in a position that their entire income relies on whether or not that guy likes that your guitar better than the other one. The first time Carlos Santana picked up one of my guitars and he really liked it, he got mad at me. He goes, you're going to make me call people and not work with them anymore. You're putting me in a really bad position and I don't like it. And I, I apologized. I said, I'm sorry, but, you know, I did my best. He goes, no, you did good. And he thought it sounded like a tenor saxophone. I thought it sounded more vocal, but he thought it sounded like a big tenor. And that, for him, was important. Right. So when it comes to building, well, when it comes to a great guitar. Oh, here we go. Let's go down this road. I yeah, like this I, road. I really want to go down this road. All right. So we, we all agree that wood matters. And it is, but but no, the, we all don't agree. That's what we were just saying. Well, I mean, the we three agree. of us on this this <laughs> oh, podcast. Oh, okay, here. good. The three of us. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to me, the the wood debate ended when I realized that every guitar player that I look up to and respect and and study and, and want to emulate that I I know, you know, Tim Pierce is a mutual friend of ours. Tim is a huge influence for me. Um, he can't play. <laughs> hey, you said it, man. I didn't say that. <laughs> I was get, sarcastic as I'm hell. I'm going to get a call after this, I Paul, feel like I'm, I'm, in, have to... I'm, I'm in the dunce chair. <laughs> uh, look, of course Tim can play. He's brilliant. Oh, of course He's he is. He's frightening,ly good. If oh. he's your friend, I'm teasing him. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm teasing back. My point is that every guitar player that I respect and look up to all understands that a great guitar is the the sum of all of its parts. And That's right. And a major part of the guitar is the wood that it is constructed from. So with that in mind, with your experience, you've built a few guitars over the years, I imagine, you know, um, when you're looking 
for a good piece of, of wood or a good, uh, well, let me back up with a specific guitar is what matters more is, is weight a big factor for you? Or is it how resonant the piece of wood is, uh, the species of wood, you know, what, what's the biggest factor? How long it rings, how much it weighs, how long it rings, how much it weighs, and then how's it look? And then can you make a combination where the guitar is not a brick, but it's also not made of balsa wood, and you want it to be a musical instrument in the end. Look, the nut material and the bridge material is more important than the wood material. If you make the nut out of rubber and you make the bridge out of rubber, I don't care what wood you use. You've got a piece of junk on your hands, okay? So it's, a, it's one of the pieces of the puzzle, and to lay it all on one thing it's just not the way it works. Okay, look, the only thing that's important in Led Zeppelin was John Paul Jones' keyboard parts. Nothing else mattered. Really? No. No, it's a lie. It was this beautiful <laughs> matrix. And if you listen to them play, you know, uh, Kashmir, uh, that when, you know, when Jason Bottom was playing drums at that big concert, it's stunning, the matrix that they had put together. And... You can't just blame it on one thing. It's mm. the whole thing put together as a beautiful piece of electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, art, chemical engineering, talent, art. It just goes on and on and on the list. And, you know, I should have been trained in all these areas, but I got trial by fire. I had to make these people happy not knowing enough to be able to do it. And slowly over the time, we've been able to retrace our steps to understand what it was in Carlos's original guitars and what it was in, you know, these original things that were magic. Look, that horse meat pedal, the first one sounded great. The next ones didn't. And we spent a year reverse engineering our own pedal. Oh, yeah. So it's not so simple, you know, and, and I don't, you know... There are guitar companies that there don't glue the nut on and make the nut out of the same material you hook your toilet to your septic tank with. Does it sound like a good idea to you? It just doesn't sound like a good idea to me. I, it <laughs> no, looks that... like bone. <laughs> I, I remember you you had some videos years ago where you dropped nuts on a table just to hear them ring. That was it. That was TED Talk. I never made it to nationals. They didn't like that. <laughs> well, it was great because it really showed, it was very illuminating for me because it reminded me of my dad saying, you know, how to tell which quarter is silver by just dropping it on a table and you could hear it ring. And it's uh huh, it's incredible. Um, <clears throat> well, like we we have we have a few more things we wanted to touch on, but all of that what you just talked about kind of brings us to a question we had thought of, which is. Is it harder to improve? Because you guys, you have you have your core line and everything, which is you know, like fantastic instruments, and then your SE line, which has become pretty much the industry standard for anything that is not made in the states. As an import line, it's like That's as good as it gets. Say thank you. Well, Jack, I mean, it's Jack it's true. Love hearing that. Uh, but what's harder to improve? Is it harder to take the core stuff to the next level, or to to improve those SE guitars to get them? you know, it, to blur the line even further? Both. So let me explain. I brought Jack up because Jack's in charge of that whole thing with SEs. He's on the phone at 3 in the morning 
every day talking to the factory and teaching them. Mm-hmm. I have a meeting almost every day at 9 o'clock that we call one a day. We try to fix one quality thing a day. That would be 250 improvements a year. And at the end of the meeting, if we haven't done one, it's a, you know, in my mind, failed meeting. And if we've done three, it was a great meeting. So it's just as hard on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I let the private stock team free float. I let them do their own art. I don't try to lock them. Well, you're going to do exactly this and exactly. They, you know, they're do- in designing their own inlays. They're, they're driving the color palette as, you know, art students that have become guitar makers. Um, in our industry, there's some things that I just let people, I didn't set this meeting up. I didn't set this whole thing up that we're doing today. It was all entrusted in a group of people that know what they're doing, you know, in the marketing department. I, I don't do that, but are, I am driving there... really, really hard every day to get improvements in the guitars, and Jack's driving every day with the SEs, and this place is not trying to be a Bluetooth company. We're trying to be a guitar company, and we're trying to make sure that that black guitar, which I haven't touched, is doing the job for your gear slut. Do, do you? What are some of the the improvements? Because that, like, hearing that as a as a a, a brand owner myself and and working to improve the pedals that I make that's I've I've never thought of trying to fix one small improvement a day so what what kind of things are you guys name of one part of the guitar and I'll tell you what we're working on in that area saddles oh boy <laughs> oh did I touch a sore subject what's, no, what's you going on you touched a monster so let's do this all right let's go the saddle on a telecaster on an old one is a quarter inch diameter piece of brass the saddle on a Strat is like a 3 piece of steel circle. The saddle on a Tunematic is a piece of brass with a sharp edge at the end. All these things make a difference. And we have been engineering change noticing, which we called an ECN, every single place on our guitars where the string leaves the bridge in order to start singing. On our tremolos, that is a constantly changing radius. As you push the arm down, it's changing the radius, and as you pull it back, it's changing the radius. But we don't want it to buzz at any point, and we want the string to have a a clean start of its note. The way you make a sitar is to have the radius be so long that it buzzes on itself. Mm. So you don't want it to sitar, which the old tellies did if you didn't take a file to it. Mm And all that stuff makes a difference. So how it leaves the bridge is a monster. You know, getting the uh, – we've been working really hard on getting bow nuts to stay attuned with tremolos, and that's, you know, that's a a thing. There's – over and over and over again, there's stuff – I played what I, one of the best treble pickups I've ever heard in my life the other day in my studio, and I'm just ex- literally can't contain myself that it's going to hit the line at some point. Our private Ooh. stock team is about six months behind production. We are within six months of when we find that we can do it to getting it on the line. Mm. And it's complicated. It's hard. But it's working, and 
when I pull a guitar off a, a store wall, I want it to be studio ready and gig ready right off the wall, not touched. Mm -hmm. David Grissom holds my hands to the fire. He will not go to a clinic with a guitar. He only will take one off the wall and make sure he does his clinic with that guitar and is willing to risk everything about his experience at the thing if if that guitar is not doing its job. And so far, so good. He's been happy every time. So I've seen Carlos Santana take guitars out of here, put them in the back of the limo, go to the gig, pull it out. They tune it up, and he's playing for 18,000 people on a guitar that's not had a sound come out of it more than a minute in its life. You don't think I was nervous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we had done our job. Mm -hmm. The frets were level. The, the nut wasn't sticking. The tremolo was working. The pickup sounded good. I mean, you're talking about hard-to-understand mechanical engineering physics issues, and we are getting better at it. Um, guitar yeah, it's makers. interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Guitar makers don't get good till they're my age, but that's a different story. <laughs> We're not like athletes that peak at 27. That's not the way it works. Well, musicians, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, are the same way. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was like, I can't wait to be – I, I look forward to the day when I'm in my 60s and I've been playing guitar for 50 years because – there are certain things I feel that you can only learn as a musician that you can only pick up through time and experience. And uh, it sounds like what you're saying about the guitar building industry is somewhat the same way. Yeah, and this group of people's hungry to learn. I, I, was, there were some dry periods, like we didn't see any UFOs, you know? There was no UFOs. <laughs> and now we're seeing them every day. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. No, seriously, we're yeah. learning at an alarming rate right now. I don't know what is in the water right this second. But the speed, I was talking to James Zimmers about it the other day who works at PTC. I said the speed at which we're being taught is extraordinary. I've n it's not dry right now. It's wet. It's raining. And it's really nice. Um, I got my hands on a... Lloyd Lore Mandola from 1922 recently. And when I picked it up and plucked it, I, my exact comment was, was, our industry has forgotten how good a mandolin can sound tuned to fifth down. Mm. Mm. This thing was explosive how loud it was. But they didn't have an amplifier. They didn't have a pickup. They had a box that was a physics conversion device for how hard you hit it, how loud it, the sound it made. And I just, I adore that stuff. I, look, you guys wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you didn't adore it. Oh, of I'm course. Talk, I, I'm sorry. We're all in the same bucket here, I think. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. Hold on one second. Someone's tripped my alarm. Uh-oh. All right, we'll put a pause in. Nah, gear slow more. He's burning up. <laughs> Zach just moved into a new building this week, so I imagine that this is uh, hopefully just a hiccup. Hey. <laughs> I pulled Good. everything's fine. I, I, peer, I pulled the gear slot alarm when you got up and started making a, 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 a noise like an alarm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so according to Reverb, uh, the Silver Sky SE is the best selling guitar of the year. Are you guys surprised at all about how well embraced that model 
has become, not just the SC, but the Silver Sky in general. I mean, I see them everywhere now. Complicated question, yes and no. Yes, I'm surprised because it's an honor what's happened. When we first released the Silver Sky, somebody called me and told me I'd farted in a spacesuit. <laughs> what, what, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> it means I've made a stink that wasn't going to go away for a long time. <laughs> and now that person owns one and adores it. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I there, mean, they, they, we, we did this. We I did a clinic once. I did a clinic once, and this guy was slagging me so bad in the back. I can't believe I came to this clinic. This guy's an idiot. This is awful. In the back, and I couldn't hear him. I was just doing my clinic, and I was talking about the Silver Sky, and I said it sounds like a '63 Strat, and the room didn't believe it. So I grabbed it off the wall, plugged it in, and turned a bass pickup on, and the guy bought the guitar so let's talk about that for a minute i had gotten the acoustic tone of the guitar right i gotten the sound of the pickups right and he knew what a 63 strat sounded like because they have a different kind of sound than other years so did you de-stratify it by making it four years after 59 <laughs> well no because it's still no, a, a okay, three single coil pickup okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so by definition no but Am I surprised at how well it's done? Yeah, real surprised, but a little bit not because when I first picked up the neck and I wrapped my hand around it, I was I welled up because I knew that that neck shape had not been tooled up right in 50 years. Mm. And here was I was holding essentially a 63 neck shape, right, 63 and a half, something like that. So, but when the Silver Sky SE came out, when John first heard it, he goes, that's the best overseas pickup I think I've ever heard. It's approved now. And that was months before we did it. And then he got his friends together to play the guitar sight unseen at a video shoot. And that went really well. And what I knew was that for the money, that was about as good a tone as you were going to get for the money that the industry had seen. So on that side, I'm not surprised. But it's an honor to be in this position at this company, and the amount of people that are driving for the same things is an honor to be around. And yeah, I had dinner with John and Bev recently. Bev runs our artist relations, and he was so proud of that reverb thing. He said it felt like a Grammy to him. That's a big yeah. deal, man. I mean, especially in a time when, Dude. since the pandemic, guitar sales have exploded i mean we're seeing a real renaissance in in the guitar industry right now um both from you know the builder's perspective like what what zach does and from even the content and social media and youtube perspective like from what i do i mean there's more people picking up guitars over the last two years than mm -hmm. it seems that there has been in in history and i think that's really exciting because especially with young people the next generation of guitar heroes and artists that are going to you know, wield the instrument are playing. They're playing for a year now, two years now. And so I think over the next five, six, seven, eight years, we're going to see a big renaissance of guitar in popular culture. And I don't think it's going to look like what it did in the 50s and 60s. It's not going to sound like what it did in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It's going to be something completely different. Some people aren't going to like it, uh, but it's 
just the progression of the instrument. So I think it is a huge compliment for both you and for John that, that at the, you know, for this year, you guys are sort of at the forefront of that. Yeah. And my team yep. was willing to pay for all the tooling to do that guitar right on both sides, the U S one and, and the, and the silver sky one on the SC side. So look, and, and that's something that what, like when, when the, the silver sky initially came out, I remember people moaning about the time it took to develop that. But what I think a lot of people don't understand is how long it takes to make something as, as different as an output jack cup. Like that, can, <laughs> that doesn't happen over. I didn't night. want to do that. John insisted. But, but I mean, <laughs> that one things... I didn't want to do. Ah, oh, come on, John. Now I said, let's put the jack in the side. Now I said, come on. He goes, no, his name was on it. So the answer was, yeah, we'd do it. But even even the knobs are all different for that guitar, right? They're not. There's nothing. You don't use those on any other of your guitars, right? No, we retooled everything. There's not yeah. one thing on that guitar that's not retooled except for the number four sheet metal screws that we used to hold a pickguard on. Everything else was retooled. Everything. Yeah. The case. Everything. There's nothing that we didn't retool. We changed the way we make necks. We changed the way we did everything. And you know, something somehow it worked on a guitar making level. It's not a parts guitar. Right. No, no, definitely not. So, so you said you said that the 63 Strat is different than 50s, you know, 57, 58, for example. What exactly in your experience is different with the 63? Have you played both of them? I have not played a 63. I've played a 61 and several late 50s. The 63 guitars are louder because the magnets have lost less strength. Mm. Okay. So a 59, the bass pickup wasn't that loud if it hadn't been rewound and remagnetized, correct? Sure. Right. Okay, but by the time 63 and 64 happened, those magnets were rocking and rolling, so the signal-noise ratio was better. It was more signal and less... And when you have more signal, you have less noise. So... All that stuff makes a difference. Um, reverse engineering what happened with the magnets and reverse engineering what happened with the wire and then making modifications so it was more consistent was one of the more difficult things I've ever done in my career. Um, I can tell you, we took two $10,000 pickups that cost us $5,000 each and unwound them, never to be heard again. Mm. send everything off and everything we found was different than the internet says weird so if you're willing to spend the money it's <laughs> i've taken more razor blades to, <laughs> to old pickups that i shouldn't <laughs> have done uh because in my world if john wasn't happy none, nothing mattered yeah if if he wasn't going to play that guitar in concert and in the studio he was going to tell everybody right was you there anything that really surprised you? don't surprised? control a John Mayer or Carlos Santana or Mark Trevani. That's not the way it works. Right. They're going to grab the ab- thing that does the job. Well, was there anything about those, those, uh, the pickups that win the Silver Sky that really shocked you or surprised you at you know, how they turned out in comparison with, with anything else on the market you know, that, that's supposed to have that? What sort shocked of voice? me was when we finally figured out why they sent the Owen Center like they did. You wound them with exactly the same wire, with exactly the same magnets, with exactly the same back and forth, with exactly the same waxing, and they were 8 dB different than the original ones. Why? 
It didn't make wow. any sense. I mean, we were measuring them, and it was clearly different. And when we finally got to the bottom of it, it was jaw-dropping. As Hedge said, who runs our engineering department for production, he goes, you're not going to believe this one, Paul. Wow. So, I mean, you know, how many people have taken shots at those pickups? How many people have taken shots at PAFs, at P90s? It's been shot after shot after shot after shot. And, and you know, the definition of being insane is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's not the way it works. We had to learn something electrical engineering-wise that was not modelable in a computer. Mm. Right. So it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. And, you know, right now we're up to our eyeballs and all this stuff. Um, I saw a video that Judy's team's working on today having to do with certain things we've been talking about. And I think we're going to explain some of it to the world, but we'll see how it goes. Well, I can't wait for that. Uh, as, yeah. as, a, uh, as a gear nerd, that's, that sounds really intriguing. I mean, you've, you've teased it enough with these pickups, man. I've got to figure out what – got to know uh, what the Look, what the a pickup is. is a whistle. It is whistling a note. And that note is heard in every note you play, period. It's a parametric equalizer. And it's set a certain way. And the TCI thing that, that Judy and her team have been pushing talks very much about the whole, you know, capacitive, inductive thing that we've gotten our hands around. You know, one of the, Rupert Neve was a inductor winder. He knew how to make a, 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 a device in a console that that whistled at the note he needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But don't, well, think so, for, don't think for one second a 53, 50, a late, early, late 52, early 53 tally treble pickup sounds the one it's the same as one made in 68. It doesn't. Oh, I don't, right. I don't doubt it. I mean, you know, and, and the, the Rupert Neve thing is, is interesting. I'm um, building a recording studio in the house right now. Um, and as I've been learning over the years about recording and, and music production and, and things outside of just guitar and guitar playing, it's amazing how so many of these things cross over, you uh -huh. know, to, to just just audio in general. You know, I, I tend to believe that anytime it's best to get as many transformers in your signal path as possible because and I'm trying just... to take them all out now. Oh, really? <laughs> uh -huh. But you have a Pultec or a Pultec copy next to you. Yeah, yeah. That copy. is basically. A guitar pickup. Yeah. You have these notes that you can turn click, click, click to, and you can turn up how much and how loud the whistle is in that area. Right. But 100%. In the beginning, you need as many transformers as possible to smooth the sound out. But when you get the, the electronics right, you need as few as you can have. Mm. But it, it shifts. So on that, I'd like for you, I'd like your input on on an internal debate that we've been having here at uh, Shoyles Industries at Dipton Tone here. And uh, there's no right or wrong answer, just just your uh, opinion. So, inexpensive guitar with an expensive high-end amp, or the other way around, really expensive high-end guitar through a super cheap budget amplifier. What are you going with and why? It's a completely out of bounds, unfair question, which I refuse to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you can't do this. Come on. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to go down both of these roads. I saw Jimmy Page play In My Time of Dying on an original Dan Electro made out of fireboard. Yeah. Through an old 100-watt amp. 
Okay, that would be an example of a God tone with a cheap guitar and an expensive amp, right? Yep. Okay, good. Now you're, he's playing in the bathroom doing a solo in Stairway to Heaven playing a 53 Tele, expensive guitar through a Supro, piece of junk, cheap amp. Which is better? I mean, come on. It, 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 well, you know, Jack White's playing through an old Silvertone you couldn't give away. Now no, they're but, expensive because Jack's playing through them. It, 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 it depends on the guitar. It depends on the amp. It, it doesn't have to be an expensive guitar to be magic, and it doesn't have to be expensive amp to be magic. It, it needs to be musical. And when you put me in a box like that and force me <laughs> – to answer a question that's completely out of bounds and not fair, I'm going to push back and go, I'm going to be a dolphin. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Hey, no. Hey, it's just a thought experiment, okay? Okay, so, well, you, you asked me, so I told well, no, you. That's a valid answer, and I don't disagree. I mean, there is there is no direct correlation between cost of instrument, amplifier, whatever, and its musicality or its ability to, right. to make music. I think we're all in agreement there, but... For the thought experiment and to settle this debate between Zach and I, to you, if you had to choose, you're in the box, you might as well choose. Expensive guitar, cheap amp, or other way around? Medium cost guitar, medium cost amp. <laughs> <sighs> I think that's as best as we're going to get. I think that's the best we're going to get. Yeah. I, I, wait, wait, I wait. No, prefer... no. Uh, what's your definition of a cheap guitar? What's your definition of a cheap amp? We were trying to quantify this the other day, so I think I think it's a fair point. We need to put some rules on it, put some some guardrails so, up. So put a guardrail up. It's a guitar price now. Zach, what do you think? Uh, inexpensive guitar would be what, like sub three hundred bucks. Yep. And then same for amp, an amp sub three hundred dollars, and then expensive guitar would be like, what do you think, twenty six hundred and up? Something oh like yeah, that. three three and or up, three and up. Yeah, something like that. Um, same thing with an amplifier. Three grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like expensive. Thought experiment, Paul. Because Rhett is of the camp that will choose an expensive amp and an inexpensive guitar, it, it being that the guitars are set up properly and all that. Sure. And then I uh, would choose a nicer guitar and an inexpensive amp because I'm more comfortable on a guitar. A good and setup Rhett says he can. 180 bucks. Is that counting the price of the guitar? Yeah, yeah. We're just we're no. just saying like it, it's all the guitars are set up. As they should be, they play well. To your specifications. Mm-hmm. And, and the kind of, the thought behind this is is like you're showing up to a gig, you have this rig, and you have to make it work. Which would you rather see? Okay. An old melody maker with some pickups out of a bum box at the vintage show put in played through an old plexi so so expensive amp yeah hell yeah ah, well melee makers aren't cheap now well that's true but but, well, but no, well, i think uh, we all heard on, depending on what year and whether it's been refretted and whether it's been refinished and what tuning pegs are on it whether it has the original bridge on it has the hey, original let's not let's not go too no, far no, into no, this no no no, no, no. we you, no, we, we you just gave went the right down answer. that road let's move on moving on we didn't Paul get the right answer with me. we got a no we don't i don't agree with you about anything today 
Finally, that's how I feel most of the time. <laughs> then it's been a good episode I, of Dipped in Tone. If we can end in an argument, then that's how we know we've done a good job. Well, I, I think uh, that was Jason, painful. Oh, come on. It's just a thought <laughs> experiment. A, you don't actually have to choose. We, you made me one. choose. I tried middle of the road and I got nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you chose right. So you can rest assured that you made the right choice. No, no, no. I'm going to move with him. <laughs> he, he's expensive guitar, cheap amp, right? Yeah. Yes. You're wrong. Okay. Oh. Well, the internet, the internet uh, <laughs> heard it first. So, <laughs> um, uh, come well, on, it. I have enough knowledge to go to a vintage show and find a really cheap guitar and a really cheap amp and be able to get a good sound. Oh, so, course, how right. about neither of your choices? <laughs> it's fine. It's I'm fine. Poor, I'm poorer than dirt, and I can still get a good sound. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Well, uh, I think. So let me can... let me tell you oh. a story. Yes. One time, Eric Clapton had to sit in with a band, and they didn't have an amp for him, and they didn't have a speaker cabinet, but they had a guitar. So the roadie had a 15-inch speaker in a board and a basement amplifier, and they took the board, and they took it out, and they turned it around from the tune-up rig, and they put the basement in it, and he was horrified that, that Eric was going to play through this non-amplifier live to... 10,000 people. You know what it sounded like? Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, the second yeah. he started playing. So, you know, come on. Yeah. These guys have an ability to take the, the power in their hands and literally push it through anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not fair how good these people are. But that's my perspective on, on the, the higher-end amplifier, is that a truly great amp, and the reality is that it doesn't matter how much the amp costs, but a truly great amp is in my mind an amp that takes everything that you put into it, every little nuance, every little detail, and it and it reproduces it and it makes it musical and it, it becomes part of the, the the guitar and the amplifier together become this sort of symbiotic organism that work together uh. on stages. And to me, that's why I choose the amplifier because a less uh, well-made, less quality amplifier doesn't, in my experience, do that nearly as well. All right, so now we're going to play my game. All right. Is a Hendrix 20 an expensive amp or a cheap amp? And how good is it in relation to your little messed up grid? <laughs> My messed up grid? You mean the, yeah. the price grid? What do you mean messed up grid? What does messed up grid mean? $300? Are you out of your mind? Okay, okay. All right. Well, so then a pedal costs $300. Some pedals cost $300. <laughs> Lots of pedals cost $300. Yes, I do think the HDRX 20 is a great amp. And okay, what price points it in? That's in the sub thousand, right? For the head, it's what uh -huh. six, seven hundred for the head. Bucks. Uh huh. Yeah, and then the cab is. Is that what? the cheap amp? That's, no, not, that's like not cheap amp. It's above. It's above three hundred. So is it an expensive amp? No, it's right in the middle. No. Well, but I wasn't allowed to go in the middle. You, right. you kept me out of that. I know. That's that's part of okay, the fun. Okay, so let's do let's uh, so let's do it. SC Silver Sky, cheap guitar, expensive guitar. <sighs> what is right the, in the middle still? There's nah, there's, it's what? not. It's below the middle. What is the price on SC Silver Sky? What? Sub a grand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, right, right in that mid. Oh, uh, we can include those. No, we can't. <laughs> no, no. The, 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 the fight is <laughs> cheap with expensive. And <laughs> he turned red. I got him. He oh turned red. God. Look, Andrew, look, he's red as an apple. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. Look yeah, I you. sure am. It's the saturation red. on my camera, him. Paul. No, no, no. It's, nah, it's my camera. Yeah, yeah, no, I've got, I'm running a LUT right now. Look, and the LUT's very saturated. My, my white balance is off. Don't, don't. All right, so <laughs> can I, can I well, say something else? Yeah. Please. I find this entertaining. 
<laughs> I find that you are reflecting the argument of the internet. And I honor that you're doing it because you got a lot of courage to go there. Mm. And I and I appreciate it. And I'm giving you a really hard time because I'm trying to make it fun. I've had so many bad things happen in my life that I'm playful all mm. the time. And, and my mother used to say, Paul, you and your aggressive humor. Look, <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm trying to have a good time. And it's, it, you're somewhat at your expense, but that's all right. No, it's okay. Because here's the deal. Like, fine. We have the utmost respect for you and your company and yeah. what you Thank have you. done in this industry. I mean, it is Thank no you, small feat you know, to, to start off as a, an independent builder at a time when that really wasn't such a thing, not, definitely not as big as it is now. Uh, and so, yeah, it is, we, we are reflecting the internet because we're a podcast on the internet yeah. and we largely yeah. make our livings on the internet at this mm-hmm. point. And um, mm-hmm. it's interesting to be able to, to have these conversations with someone with your experience and, and your, your knowledge. And so, uh, yeah, it's all in good fun. So being on your show is the new being on the cover of a magazine. Ooh, oh, that's high praise. I don't know if maybe. But think about it. Maybe. All right, look. You figure out how many views there are, and you figure out how many covers there would have been. Mm-hmm. Numbers about the same. Mm. This okay. is the this is the new media of our industry. Yeah. This is the new. I I could go on the road for three years and not reach a hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And what's going on is stunning. And so I. You know, every time I get a chance to do this, I just jump at the chance to do it. I just think that what's going on is magic. And things are changing really fast. And I, you know, I found that if I don't have restrictors on other than cursing and being derogatory towards other people and every other restrictor is off, it's more fun. Way more fun. Okay. And give you a hard time especially you i don't know why but you seem more of a good target than him it's I've, hey i've had it my whole life man and the gear page would agree with you and lots of other people mm. on the internet so yeah yeah so how well, many people are going to watch this oh i don't know well it's hard know, to the say episode, the episode with joe hit it got it got way 50, up fifty thousand something like that yeah forty something yeah. thousand yeah I mean, it, it did pretty well deal. so i'm excited i think we'll probably have to wrap it up but um Seeing as we had one huge argument, let's end it with one good viewer question. And uh, this is from one of our patrons, Mr. David E. And he asked, I'm paraphrasing, but if he's never played a PRS before, which one should he start with? Which one should he try first? His friends? (laughs) Well, if he's going to walk into a store, let's say he's like driving to Chicago. The one that calls his name has that interests him in some way. Or the one he thinks he couldn't stand. Either one's fine. I just get started. I, yeah. You know, we sent we sent it there and we put all our ideas and care into it and just try one. Buy guitars the way women were now. Now I can't even say that anymore. Men or whatever buy shoes. Bring me twelve pairs and try them all on. And whichever one fits, try. If none of them fits. Leave the store. I, I don't really care. All I want is a fair shake that you tried it. His question is extraordinarily important. Just try it. If we suck, fine. If you liked it, fine. If it's better than what you have, fine. If it's worse than what you have, fine. If it doesn't call your name, fine. But at least give us a fair shake. Yeah. That's all we want. I just, you know, give us a fair shake. 
Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. Look, we're, this is a very, very difficult time for somebody to sift through what's going on. There used to be four guitar brands and now or five guitar brands. Now there's four or 500. Mm -hmm. used to be four or five pedals that you'd want to buy. And it was a wah-wah pedal and a fuzz face and this and that. And now there's four or 500 wah-wahs and 405, you know, things. I, it's hard to sift through. So you're doing a r real service to the industry trying to sift through what's going on. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, a lot of customers know better what's going on than people in the stores. And sometimes okay. the people in the stores are dead set experts and they'll tell the customer exactly what they thought. And the guy says, yeah, that's that's nice. I'll study on the Internet tonight. And the, the expert yeah. rolls their eyes. But sometimes you go to the store because they absolutely know what they're doing and you need to pay attention to what they're saying because they know better what's going on than you do. Mm. Right. You know, the reason sure. people are watching your podcast is you're getting information out there that's not available to them otherwise. So. I don't know. I'm just now. I'm going to just get on my soapbox and start screaming about how the industry's changed, and I think it's changed in a good way, not a bad way. And I, you know, but it's definitely different than it used to be. That's incredibly and encouraging to hear, Paul. Well, you're less red than you were a few minutes ago. <laughs> I fixed the white balance. The, it don't, yeah, it's <laughs> oh, all yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. Awesome. Thanks. For, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for your for time. It was great. I've got Judy and Andrew here looking after things, and so it's not just me over here too. There's a lot of people trying to do the right thing over here as, as well with you guys. I'm sure you've got a team of people going on. So Yeah. So get the alarm fixed, will you? <laughs> I don't know. What you hire people. They push buttons. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll see you. Thank you, Thank Paul. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was, that was a ton of fun. Yes. I, uh, you never know what you're going to get, like it, like what level, like what, where Paul's going to be. And I thought that was exactly, exactly where I wanted him to be. Like, that was fun. As, you know, he's been on a bit of a press tour recently, you know, yeah. so if you want, if you want more Paul Reed Smith, just have at it because there is a plethora of, of Paul Reed Smith content con to consume. But I was really happy with the, uh, the PRS that we got today because yeah. I felt like it was right in the pocket we covered some really interesting topics and most importantly i'm right the amp is the most uh, important part so that's it you know, it's settled we don't he ever didn't have even to want to play the game again. so yeah, I, and well, I think he just when we forced him he picked me which obviously <laughs> is the right choice so i yeah, it's well, settled i should have grabbed my guitar back here and then and, and been like what about this and he'd be like oh yeah i picked the guitar <laughs> oh, no, no good choice great choice <laughs> but yeah it was so great i mean all the things he touched on especially about like some of the business things that were, they were just quick and in passing. But for me, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's such a smart idea. Like, like the one a day improvement, like what? I've well, never thought about that. You don't become part of the big three guitar manufacturers without having a few, a uh, few clever tricks up your sleeve. And he's been doing it for so long too, that it's, you know, the, the and thing he's still I doing is, it. it well, yes. And they're still doing it the highest level they've ever done it. And yeah. but the thing that I liked that, kind of got glossed over was at the end the, the patron question where it's like what should he play and he said his friends i was like that is a that's a that's a vote of confidence right there where he's like go play yeah. your buddy's guitar the one that he got doesn't matter what it is you know the most entry level se whatever or the most expensive wood library whatever go play your friend's guitar i thought that yeah. was cool so yeah uh, that i mean 
and then and then he circled back to say that he hopes that any one of his guitars would be would stand on its own no matter what someone chooses to try first. And I think that's that's awesome. But the whole thing was really great and uh, had a lot of fun. It was good to uh, to see him like give you a bit of a ribbing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, it's inevitable. Must just be something I know. on it's... my face or whatever. Yeah, uh, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So uh, thanks again to Paul and the team over at PRS for for setting yes. up the the interview today. It was a ton of fun, and and thanks to him for uh, taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk to us. I mean, trust me, it's it's not lost on me the the weight of uh, if you would have asked me four years ago that if if you if I thought that I would have a a podcast where we would have the likes of Joe Bonamassa and uh, and Paul Reed Smith, or even two years ago when we were just shooting the shit on each other's live streams. Yeah, like, yeah. It would have come to this. I would have never guessed it. So that's a huge thanks to you guys uh, for watching and listening and subscribing. Yes. Huge thanks to our patron, patrons um, and our friends over at Premier Guitar for helping us out and, and lining yes. up these interviews for us and, and everything. So, uh, and with that, Absolutely. we'd also like to thank the sponsor of today's episode one more time, Stumac. Stumac. Listen. If you have anything that you need for guitar repair, guitar maintenance, guitar building, guitar setup, guitar painting, pickups, uh, Stumac is your source for all that stuff. And uh, if you follow the link in the description, you can get 10% off of your order. So, uh, yeah. Go do that. And then leave us a comment and say what you got. Because my favorite thing in the whole world is messing with my guitars. So I want everyone else to enjoy that experience. So, I want someone to buy a Gilbar deck and then tag us. Yeah, that, that's one of the, <laughs> that's one of those tools that you know someone that was just something that someone made once, like themselves out of wood, and then everyone else started making copies of that thing, and now it's like a full fledged product. You know, it's really interesting hey. to see those things turn into like a tool when it literally started as probably like a box with just bits of wood, you know, holding I, stuff you know, down. That's awesome. I, I, I bet. I bet. Uh, you know who knows the history of the Gobar deck? Adam Savage. Adam Savage. All right. With that, everyone, <laughs> thanks. We'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye.